Hey, parents, Tim Wright here, along with Dr. Michael Gurian, as always. Uh, I'm here in Phoenix. Michael is up in Spokane, Washington, and we are glad to be with you today for another episode of the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. And uh, another listener question today. And by the way, if you ever have a question for us, uh, hopefully you know by now, you've been listening long enough to know that this show basically exists on your questions, and we love having them. So there's a place uh, on our website, wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com, where you could submit your questions. And they go right into the queue, and uh, most of the time we take them in order, but sometimes a question uh, that's sent to us has already been answered, and we'll refer you back to that podcast. Um, but for the most part, we take them in order. We get to them as quickly as we can, and um, we've, we always get such great questions, and the questions that you ask are the questions that everybody's asking. Uh, also want to encourage you. Uh, if you if you uh, if we aren't getting to your questions soon enough, go to uh, Wonder of Parenting on Facebook. Wonder of Parenting, uh, do a search on Facebook, join that group, and uh, on a regular basis, parents are posting their questions, their comments, and uh, other parents are responding. And once in a while, I'll pop in, but usually I don't. I don't feel the need to do that because you guys are doing such a great job uh, sh- sharing resources and answers with each other. So that's another great way to get support. Uh, we've got over a thousand people uh, engaged on that one uh, on that Facebook page. So there's a lot of wisdom there for you. So I'm going to dive right into the question today, uh, Michael, and and this is from a mom. Uh, who lives in a small town. I'm not going to give the information about the small town, but this is the question. And it's it's a little, uh, it's detailed, which is what we like. Uh, and so there's, there's some really good stuff in this. Um, I live in a small town with my 10-year-old son. I'm a single mom. My son's father is alive, but his personality disordered and not in any way a favorable influence. I've read numerous of your books, and follow your writing and blog and feel very aligned with your work. I know my son needs more than I can give him, and I'm at a loss finding appropriate male connections for him. We have no family here other than his father's family, and I uh, do not date. I've been unsuccessful locating boys' organizations. We joined Cub Scouts a few years ago, hoping for more male engagement. I ended up as the scout leader for his den and all the other dens were led by women as well. Now, I, I want to just pause there a moment, Michael. That's not uncommon, is it? It's not. And in fact, I noted that when I, you know, as I went through this and created my notes for today, I wanted to mention that Boy Scouts itself, I mean, man, men are to some extent scared, um, especially now with all of you know, yeah. the scandal and the suit. But I mean, it, 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 it's women don't realize that men often are scared to even take over things like this uh, that are going to result in them being, you know, perhaps alone with kids uh, just because of their fear of what could happen to them. So yeah. it's a, it's a, it's like two sides of a bad coin on, we want more men involved, but they're scared of being involved and then women take over. And then that's not great because we need the men involved. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It, it's just uh, it's fascinating to me, and and to hear her articulate it was it it just uh, reminded me that uh, so often when I hear about these these packs, they're led by moms, which is the that's not the point. <laughs> the point was really to have more male engagement. Yeah. Uh, so she goes on. There's no boys club here. This is a very insular, uh, insular uh, nuclear family community. I have reached out to other families, opening the door for engagement between other fathers and my son with no success. It feels to me as though each nuclear family unit is tightly is a tightly guarded island. 
The inhabitants poke their heads out occasionally, but no one really leaves or enters the island. We are Jewish, so not part of a church community, and there is no Jewish community here to speak of. I'm happy to have my son spend time with Christian families, but the very fundamentalist Christian church that dominates our small town is not happy to have their children to play with him. I suspect the challenge is somewhat complicated by the fact that he is very testosterone-driven boy and ADHD. His energy is big. Some people find that intimidating or they simply judge him. He's not doing anything wrong. He's driving a big race car and doing his best to learn good skills. It's a nice analogy. Mm-hmm. Local schools failed him. He needed to move and experience learning more with his body and was punished, shamed, and kept at, in at recess. <laughs> wow, so much in this, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Uh, thus, he wasn't learning at all. He's been homeschooling now for the last couple of years, and we've had to do a lot of catch-up. Some people assume home learning might be more isolating, but that has not been the case at all. The amount of time he spent socializing with peers increased dramatically after he left the public school. But COVID has brought that tragically to a halt, uh, as it has in the case with most children. You've probably responded to similar questions before, but I haven't located anything on your site. Um, And uh, so she would appreciate your help. And and Michael, uh, this is a big question. Yeah, it's a very big question. And I I, um, I, want to just share with listeners that in the, you know, I started publicly teaching this in 1989. That was the first time I ever, you know, did a workshop in, in what what I've done over the last 30 years. And in that 30, so 31 years, I have to say that this is probably the most asked question. Um, uh, if I had to pick one that I've asked them, been asked the most in 30 years, it's been single moms who have sons who are looking for help, especially when their sons, and especially and are especially looking for male help, uh, when, the, when their sons hit, you know, 9, 10, 11, 10, 11, 12, in that early pre-puberty, early puberty, because the moms can sense it, that their sons need that, and those assets are not there in the family, the dad's not there, or for whatever reason, not available. And so, but they're instinctively, moms are so intuitive, they instinctively are looking. And we in America, I mean, we just, in America, we as a society uh, have difficulty providing these male assets for many reasons. And part of it is that our culture doesn't understand that every boy needs this male mentor, you know? And part of it is, you know, we're a divided society. There's a lot of reasons. And then in a smaller town, there aren't assets available. So I just want to say, you know, to this mom and all moms experiencing this, you're not alone. I mean, there's just, I can't tell you how many thousands of moms have asked me this question. So I'm going to do my best and in each case have to try to deal with it as on a case-by-case basis because each case is not exactly the same. In this case, I do see some good things here. And one is that she mentions the dad's family. And she and she kind of says, I know my son needs more. You know, we have no family here other than the father's family. Well, the father's family isn't necessarily the father. So if the father has a significant personality disorder um, uh, that makes it impossible, I believe she is saying, from her point of view, not good for the child to have access to father. Okay, let's go with that. But but he's got other family. So that means there are grandfathers, there are uncles, you know, who might have farms, there are grandmas, aunts. So there's there could be a whole extended family there that she might want to try to access. Um, and uh, yeah, there may be a little tension if 
they try to bring the child over to the father, that would have to get worked out. And we obviously don't know the dynamic there, but, but they are assets. They are grandparents and extended family assets who are blood kin to this child. So they may be a place to turn, um, even if she has some reservations about her, her uh, ex, um, the child's father. So that could be some good news. Another piece of good news, I think, could be to say, and I know this sounds frustrating, but to say, keep trying, because we're not mentioning this town, but I do know this town, and it is not, it's not a tiny town. I mean, I think, I think between its assets and the assets right across the river from this town, um, there's probably, that adds up to, I think, around 100,000 people. So there could be assets that she hasn't tapped yet, um, especially kind of across the river. Uh, also, <clears throat> also he, he's a big, he, he has that wonderful analogy you pointed out too. He's driving a big race car and doing his best to learn skills. It's a great analogy. And he sounds like he is a big energy child. Uh, there are going to be other big energy boys out there whose parents get it and whose fathers can become assets and to find them. It may be that that the mom needs to really focus on the islands of competence in this 10-year-old. So what are his skills? What's he good at? You know, we've said this before. Is it is it music? Is it athletics? Is it math? Whatever it is, he's going to have, you know, a couple, three islands of competence, his interest areas, his talent set. And then moving moving toward that talent set, moving toward finding the clubs that fits that talent set. And that's where you can then get some attachments, some bonds that then can lead to further attachments and bonds. Like he, I'll give the example of myself. I was a, I was a hellion, very difficult kid. Did not have a lot of friends because I was so difficult, um, but I discovered chess club, right? And then through chess club, and my parents were helpful. It was an island of competence. My brain worked really well for pattern thinking, they got me into chess. I got into chess club. Then from chess club, I made friends and I developed a couple of friends who were just as crazy as I was, right? Because what? who goes to chess club? <laughs> Except other kind of nerdy, crazy, big thinking, even somewhat arrogant <laughs> uh, kids. And in, in my era, it was mainly boys. Now there are more girls. And of course, now there's this wonderful show called Queen's Gambit that's about a girl chess yep. prodigy. Um, so, you know, you find those friends there and then in this island of competence in that area. And then I bonded with some of the, those guys, my best friend's parents that included the dads. And so that's another direction to go, go, go really focus on the islands of competence and then keep pushing bonds and play dates, et cetera, through those islands of competence that can then hopefully get him bonded. And then you go start talking to the, she would go start talking to the parents and say, look, you know, my son's being raised without a dad. Hey, hey, you, Joe, you know, would you be willing to take your son who's now best friends with my son out uh, camping or, or whatever it would be to keep increasing that bond? And she may have to basically organize that like a mama bear, you know, kind of organize how that would work. But to get at it, it may be what she's saying is the churches aren't working. Okay. I still think there's more assets in church communities for her. Because again, I do know this town and I think there are more assets. But if that isn't working, then uh, I hope the islands of competence will work. Um, uh, and then and then homeschooling. She mentioned homeschooling. This is the last yep. thing I'll say. I know there's a lot more, but uh, uh, homeschooling is a great movement. 
um, I've been getting to know it a lot over the last 10 years. And it's a great movement. And so there are a lot of people there and they really value mentoring. And a lot of the home, I used, I used to, now it's COVID, so I don't go and do those conventions. But for three or four years in a row, the great homeschool conventions, which is a group that puts on these large homeschool conventions, they had me speak at like four or five a year. And so I would interact over a three-day period. Uh, I would interact with hundreds of homeschool uh, parents who are basically teachers. And you could just see how much they valued uh, that, that whole extended family and the tribe and the male mentoring. They're, they understand it. And uh, so, especially because she has a son, they understand it. So if she can get deeper into the homeschool assets um, and the pods that are forming now during COVID, the kind of pods for learning, I think it's possible if she puts the word out, really aggressively puts the word out, and, and her son bonds with some, with some other son in the homeschool community, then you could get access to some fathers and uncles and activities there. Those are four things that hit me right away for her. Mm -hmm. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. You, you've talked many times before. Um, you're, you're kind of a fan of um, judo, karate, these kinds of uh, sports disciplines. Um and and you know this area that uh, we're talking about is that is that a, a possibility to look into? Is that something that can be helpful for a boy with a lot of energy? Oh, brilliant! Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Uh, yes, that's brilliant. I mean, I, okay, athletics are just really good for boys like this. Mm-hmm. Um, he could still be gangly and and awkward, but it doesn't matter. Getting him into some athletics, uh, but let's say he's not into that. That doesn't work for him. A- absolutely, uh, or, or and and karate judo, lotus, self-defense, whatever it is, and those. And yes, these towns will have uh, dojos and gyms. Mm-hmm. And so we just need, uh, oh, and luckily the state she's in, um, they're not as restrictive as the state I'm in. So I think that uh, the, her gyms are open. And so she should be able to get access to karate and judo. Yep. And of course, part of it's going to depend on what you know her son is interested in and so on. But right. Uh, you know, he's at a great age where let's try it. Let's give it six weeks. Let's experiment. 
And um, I, I was with you. I was glad to hear that uh, they were making friends through homeschooling. And we all get right now what COVID is doing to that. So uh, it just uh, makes the problem more challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have some follow-up questions uh, for you and maybe go out, uh, talk a little bit bigger picture. But uh, first of all, I, I do want to give a shout out to the people who make it possible for us to bring these questions to you and uh, Dr. Gurian's answers to you. And um, one of them, since we're talking about boys, Michael, let's talk about the Forge School. Yeah, yeah. The Forge School um, is for 14 and 17-year-olds, so this one's younger. But the uh, the Forge School is for 14 to 17-year-old boys. It's a residential treatment center, so these would be boys who are having issues and they need, you know, another boarding school. They need residential treatment. Um, It's great. It's, um, uh, the staff is incredible. Uh, they get constant kind of attachment, constant hands-on, uh, constant mentoring. Um, uh, so it's in Benton, Tennessee, and um, it's on 55 acres that abuts a river, uh, kind of mountains right next to it. I mean, qu- quite actually amazing. I was there in November, and, um, you know, I mean, I was I was blown away by how absolutely beautiful it is and how boy-friendly it is. And the staff at, at the Forge School is utilizing... Um, you know, all of our Green Institute and, and Gurian stuff, the boy friendly. So what they're doing is integrating their CASA model, which is how, how they, this corporation that has this school, they've been, um, uh, you know, really creating change in the lives of boys and families for, for decades now, because they have a 20 or so schools. But now they've opened this school that uh, is specifically brings together all of their success with a boy friendly uh, programming. And that's what they're bringing in from me. I'm consulting with them. So, yes, I highly recommend the Ford School if you have 14 to 17-year-old boys who need help. And then, as always, our good friends at the Center of Place of Hope, Dr. Greg Jantz and his folks who do such great work and um, encourage you to check uh, both of our sponsors out uh, on wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com. There's a link to both. And uh, if you check the link for... Uh, the Center Place of Hope, you're going to discover one of the great treatment centers in the country, and they deal with almost everything. And um, and as I, I say week after week, Dr. Greg Jantz is a prolific author who's writing good books. So if you don't necessarily need a, a treatment center, at least check out his books for the various things that they talk about. Uh, so, Michael, I, uh, I, I want to come back now to this mom, and this is, I'm sure, a question that, that single moms wrestle with all the time. In the meantime, in the in-between time, as she's trying to find male mentors for her son, what are some strategic things that she can do? She can't play the role of a dad, but what are some things that she can do as mom to meet some of those needs that her son has for, say, more testosterone in his life, For uh, to use a metaphor? Well, I think, I think immediately she can, of course, make sure he's in activities that are helping him manage that, like you mentioned, martial arts, athletics. Um, uh, those sorts of physical activities and doing physical things just that that's that's good for because he's 10 so he's starting to get those spikes of testosterone every day right because he's in pre-puberty so he could be getting five to seven spikes of it and he's already high testosterone so she that's that's you know number one make sure that his life and his week is activated and active and physical uh, to help wear him out <laughs> um, to, to some extent and also to direct the energy. Number two, she's going to have to become a little more male in her parenting is going to be my guess. Um, and what what do I mean? So so we generally, when we look at 
by strategic parenting, we talk about what in the science community is called coercive and cooperative. And, but we don't really like coercive. People don't really mm -hmm. like that word. So we just right. say, um, you know, a little more authoritative and then, um, cooperative, you know, we, we all know what that means. That, that means I'm not really, you know, telling you what to do. Um, and I think she's going to probably need a, to work, move a little more in the interim to a little more toward the authoritative. And the reason I say that there are two reasons I say it. One is he's moving into adolescence yep. and he's a male moving into adolescence and, and having, so, you know, some authority is really not a bad thing. It helps direct him. Um, and number two, when she said in her essay or in her email, she said, he's not doing anything wrong. Um, uh, my guess is that he is. So <laughs> my guess is that, you know, all our kids are perfect, but my guess is that he actually needs some help measuring the effect of his energy on others and, and needs help mentoring, uh, uh, with impulse control, with self-regulation, um, you know, that he needs a little more of that kind of more empowered parenting that's going to say, huh? Yeah, that that thing you did, no, no, you you can't do that, um, and it and that's sometimes hard, especially for a single mom. It's just going to be difficult because she's she's her child is doing nothing wrong. In other words, she sees her child as every, she, that child is doing great, right? Yep. Everyone else hasn't understood my child, but he's hitting that age when he's ten. He's going to be doing things that are quote unquote wrong or are are not functional or needs help, need mentoring. And so, unfortunately, I think she's going to have to shift over a little to providing that. And she won't be doing anything mean or abusive to him or anything. She's just going to have to read his behaviors a little differently. And when she sees ones that she just absolutely knows are not functional and are pushing other people away, she may have to be a little stronger with him. So in the interim, I think these are probably what she'll be looking at. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing that um, pretty soon he's going to start asking questions about his body, if he hasn't already, um, you know, what it's doing, puberty's starting to hit, um, or it's going to hit soon. Uh, and um, boys need moms and dads to give input into that. Um, what are some things that she might want to know or think about uh, it, let, let's say she, this boy doesn't really have a guy in his life for a while as he starts to move into puberty. What are some things she needs to know and needs to tell him uh, as he's moving into this phase of his life? Yeah, it's, to some extent, it's going to depend on how mature he is at 10. Right. Um, uh, by 10, of course, we want to make sure he's had basic sex ed. So she needs to make sure of that. And if the school hasn't done it, she needs to do that. I have a book called From Boys to Men. But if you go, if she goes on Amazon, if anyone has kids this age, it's for it's for ten to fourteen year old boys. If if you go on Amazon, I think it's under Amazon as plugged in because it was part of a series. Plugged in colon from boys to men by Michael Gurian. That I that I wrote uh, with the help of our Gurian Institute team. I want to give them credit. I wrote it in the language of ten year olds, you know, ten year old boys, um, to to teach them all this stuff. Right, um, and it wasn't basic sex ed. It's all this other stuff. You're growing up, things are happening to your body. You know, to, for me in a book to try to be that man that often single moms mm. don't have to teach yeah. their sons some things. 
Um, so that can be very helpful, Plugged In from Boys to Men by Michael Gurian. Uh, it was 20 years ago I wrote it, so it's it's not even sure how in print it is, but it's on Amazon. If they if she can't find it and she wants it, I think our warehouse has some inventory and we can send it to her. Great. Um, but meanwhile, there's a lot of other assets that are more contemporary even right. that she can give her boy, they're written in his language, to teach him some of the things that the dad isn't teaching him right now. Um, uh, she herself, however, can do basic sex ed. And then she can be open with him and say, you know, hey, I'm a woman, but, you know, I got some things I can teach you. Uh, I know how girls think, you know, make sure to come to me uh, and and with all your questions. Because, because, you know, moms, especially if they don't get embarrassed, moms can really help their sons. And single yes. moms are put in this position constantly. So they just have to not get embarrassed. You know, they have to huh. be able to talk to him about masturbation when that comes. And that's always, for me, the test of whether a single mom uh, like in my clinical practice, you know, I'll always jokingly say to her, okay, now I know you want to talk to him about these things. How are you able to talk about masturbation? That's the test. If you could talk <laughs> about masturbation, then you're probably going to be able to talk to him about just about everything else. So, um, so she has to, you know, kind of open her soul to it and open her son's soul to the fact that she is his primary caregiver. She does know a lot. She can help a lot. And then, yes, looking to find a man for him. And I just kind of think maybe the boy's uh, paternal grandpa might be available. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just still hold to this that that if she has all that extended family already in town, even if she just gives them targeted tasks, like, will you talk to my, you know, grandpa so-and-so, will you talk to my son, your grandson about blank? I, I think that can happen. Uh, he's 10. So a lot of the talk he needs, he doesn't need yet. And so hopefully in the next six months, he'll get bonded through Islands of Competence or through homeschool to another family where then she can ask that dad to talk to him. Right. Yeah. And it sounds like he just needs significant men in his life, which which boys need. And and by the way, girls need. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Yeah. They need oh, yeah. both. Yeah. Um, and and I, I just want to close uh, here with the, um, you know, we, we don't know what was happening in the school with him, but we've certainly heard this before that um, boys who tend to move a lot, who move a lot anyway, um, tend to be uh, shamed at school or told to sit and be quiet. And then their recess is taken away from them, of all things, yeah. <laughs> the, the one thing that he excels at. So um, why don't you just say a word again for, because we know we have got teachers listening as well, that uh, you know there are ways to uh, put boundaries around our boy and maybe taking away recess isn't one of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, when I hear that about a school system, and then I know that that, that school building or that school network or that school district uh, they have not had the boys and girls learn differently training, you know, the <laughs> Gurian Institute training, which is kind of, we're sort of the only organization that specializes only in that, you know, I mean, I specialize in other things, but our trainers specialize in boys and girls learn differently. And, um, and we go into schools now via zoom. I mean, everything, you know, the training all still exists. And I would beg, uh, you know, I would ask her to take the book boys and girls learn differently into that school principal or head of school, uh, into the teachers, just give it to them, give five or 10 copies to them, see if they'll read it, because that's often what happens with this kind of thing. And then um, they get interested and then they say, oh, well, let's do some systemic change. Let's, we get it, 
because they're all very smart teachers and they'll just go, oh my gosh, okay, this is so obvious. Male and female brains are different, but we didn't know how to accommodate that. And we make these errors like taking away recess, which is, as you've said, exactly the opposite. What the boy ought to be doing for discipline is he ought to be disciplined by being told to go rake the leaves. You know, <laughs> yeah. he ought to be given a physical task. He ought to still be doing recess. And then his discipline is in another venue for 20 minutes by writing something over and over again or by going to the principal. But the recess is exactly what we should not take away. So, so but all that becomes clear in, in training. And then the system changes. And then it finds that it loses, you know, the boys get better grades. The boys are not going to uh, getting disciplined as much, actually, because the teachers realize they change their practices so they don't boys don't need as much discipline et cetera, et cetera. So in her school system, um, uh, that hasn't happened. And um, I would beg it to happen. And for any teacher listening, this is very easy. We've been doing this 25 years. We have this down to a program that's user-friendly and that creates systemic changes in schools. And it's incredibly teacher-friendly. I mean, we're, we're all about supporting teachers and, um, and it, it's boy and girl-friendly. So I would beg people to go to greeninstitute.com. And actually, you know, we are doing this exact thing in our Winter Institute. So anyone who's listening, I kind of beg you to go to GuryanInstitute.com and you'll see that purple band, Winter Institute. It takes you to a page that's dedicated to showing all the teachers we're having at our Winter Institute, all the workshops, and people will see how parent-friendly it is and how teacher-friendly it is. And you can just sign up right there at the bottom of the page and join us for that. It's being done by Zoom, so it's very easy. Great. Well, look at that. We got... We, we spoke to a parent and a teacher's all in one podcast. I'll tell you what, you, that that's amazing stuff, right? And and it was free. And it was free. There you go. Yep. Hey, thank you, everybody, for listening. Michael, thank you for your insights. Ah, Thank you, Tim. Thanks, everyone. And we thank uh, Mom for writing in. Great question. If you've got a question for us, wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com. There is a submission form. Please send us your questions, and uh, we will get to another question in our next podcast. Everybody have a great week.